are now witnessing an adult preview of things to come. So sit back, fasten your seatbelt, loosen all tight clothing, and behold life and love and lust and passion as our great-grandchildren will. It's the first adult color science fiction film. It's Buck Rogers for the mature. Put on your cars, you're back, gammon boards. Lucky Buck is back. Captain Buck Rogers, it appears you have returned to Earth 504 years later. Yeah! Buck Rogers, the world's first and greatest space hero. Groovy. The trip of your life, 500 years from today. Buck Rogers in the 25th century, rated PG. 20th century man who awakens to a world beyond his wildest dreams. The greatest movies in Star Wars. Buck Rogers in the 25th century. A two-hour box office hit Thursday. In the year 1987, at the John F. Kennedy Space Center, NASA launched the last of America's deep space probes. The payload perched on the nose cone of the Massey rocket was a one-man exploration vessel, Ranger 3. Aboard this compact starship, a lone astronaut, Captain William Buck Rogers, was to experience cosmic forces beyond all comprehension. An awesome rush with death. In the wink of an eye, his life support systems were frozen by temperatures beyond imagination. Ranger 3 was blown out of its planned trajectory into an orbit a thousand times more vast. An orbit which was to return the ship full circle to its point of origin, its mother Earth, not in five months, but in 500 years. For 500 years, Buck Rogers drifted through a world in which reality and fantasy merged into a timeless dream. Yes, we, 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 it, 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 okay, so I don't have notes or anything. So Wait, what? Yeah, no, I don't have notes or anything. We, you've been talking about fucking doing this podcast for like for two ever. years. And you don't have a single note. I thought you would pull out scrolls. I really feel like Buck fucking Rogers in the 25th motherfucking century is not really a notey kind of show. So what we can oh, do... Well, I thought maybe for the first step. No, yeah, we'll pilot, it would be because you need to educate us on the show. I did not watch well, the show. I don't, know, I don't know how much education uh, you I need. Did, to... I did as a child. I saw it in syndication. Yeah, they used to run on Houston's uh, Channel 39. Was, on weekends, I think it was on weekend afternoons around two-ish, four sometimes in the afternoon. Yeah, honest. it ran yeah. for years locally. Illegal Machine. I think so I, want, want, I, want to, I want to use Illegal Machine since it's Buck Rogers. It just feels like it kind of fits Buck okay. Rogers. So, Buck fucking Rogers. Yes. Bucky, well, Bucky, 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 this, Bucky. Yeah, this part of the fun is that me and, and Mac here, we do a, a show on Briscoe County. And because that was a very nice, mostly family-friendly show, we've tried to actually not be crude like we normally are on our shows. But this show is literally called Buck fucking Rogers because this is a crude show. <laughs> this is a show that is retrograde, especially in, through a modern lens so we, we're gonna curse like madmen as much you want to as many oh, lewd jokes you want to I didn't curse was because I was not there no it's just the nature of the show Mac what is your experience with Buck Rogers have you ever seen an episode of Buck Rogers before is this your, your really pop your cherry just now I can't remember when but I sat down with the two of you at my place and watched the pilot and began I don't think you watched the pilot I think we watched began, the, the and began recording a podcast on it that we were approximately three minutes and 13 seconds into okay okay oh okay I see ha 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 well it was a lot funnier before you started fucking talking over me trying to correct me <laughs> no I, it was never funny actually well it was afraid. actually well it was actually gonna be funny I, I think the plan was funny well it was actually gonna be funny. uh no we actually did watch the uh, movie credit one time over at mr fixit's house okay because we talked a little bit about it and i don't think mr fixit ever seen the movie credit no, i never seen it. so uh okay so i'll talk for a little bit then as i've mentioned in other podcasts in the past one of my first movie memories was star wars out of the drive-in now here's the thing though that movie came out in 1977 and it's never made sense to me especially as i've been doing more research in the time periods because i researched the comics that i read and the tv I was watching shows I was watching stuff it didn't make sense to me that I had a gap from 1977 till pretty much late 78 into 79 well the thing with Star Wars is it, it was unprecedented in that it came out in like mid 77 if I remember correctly the thing ran through into 1978 okay and then sometime in 78 they did a re-release basically just as it finally left theaters in 78 then they decided they were going to promote a re-release of the movie and then it ran again in 78 for a good chunk of 78 and then they ran it again in 1979 okay so I don't know which release of the three releases of 
Star Wars in the 1970s that I saw. But what makes the most sense to me would be the 78 release. Because I do seem to remember seeing Star Wars earlier than most of my other movie memories. I remember seeing Superman in the theater. That did not get re-released a bunch of times. That was released originally in December of 1978. Okay. And then the Captain America movie was released in January of 79. Now here's the thing. I remember seeing the Captain America TV movie. And if I recall correctly, it was the first movie where he's in the lousy costume that isn't comics authentic. Because it was a problem for me even back in 79. Okay. And I saw that movie with the same family friends that I saw Star Wars with in the, at the drive-in. So it makes the most sense to me, given that I was already familiar with Star Wars, I already had toys stuff, that I probably saw the 78 re-release of Star Wars so that when I went into Buck Rogers at sometime around March 30th of 1979, I know I saw that in the theater. Because I remember me and my mom, if I remember correctly, we had to take buses to get there. I think we saw it at Gulfgate because that back in, back in the day, Gulfgate was connected to a mall, but it was a standalone movie theater. And to get to it, you would cross this long bridge over 225. And so it was very memorable to cross that bridge to see... Oh, you're right. It would be 610. Yeah, okay. It's it's to where... It's right before it's split. Right, right. You're right. Okay. So the the long bridge over 610. Which I think is still there, unless they tore it down. Ah, The bridge, I believe, may still be... It doesn't go anywhere, though. I think it's just like a parking lot now, the old Gulf Mm -hmm. Gate Theater. So going over that bridge was always very memorable. I think we had to take buses to get there. We went over the Gulf Gate Bridge. We saw the movie. We had to take bus coming back. And I remember walking from the bus stop back to where we live, thinking about how cool Buck Rogers was. And then months later, this would have been about September or October. I think it was October. They took the motion picture and they split it up into two episodes of the new Buck Rogers series. And I, I said before that my mom was pissed. She wasn't pissed. She was just like felt ripped off. She's like, I paid for that movie just a few months ago and it's already on TV. What a scam, you know? So not only do I remember watching this theatrically, but I also remember watching when it debuted on NBC television in late 79. Some other shows from 79 that I remember very well too is uh, I saw Star Trek the motion picture at the end of that year because I remember falling asleep on it as I've done every single time I've tried to watch that movie. Do y'all know anything about the backstory of the Buck Rogers TV show or Buck Rogers? Like, can you tell somebody who Buck Rogers is? Who the fuck is Buck Rogers? Buck Rogers is a gigantic fucking knockoff of Han Solo. No, uh, Planet of the Apes, Charlton Oh, do you know from wit from when does Buck Rogers originate? Where is Buck Rogers from? What is what is? I would I would assume this has got to be some fucking old comic book strip, right? Or a book. Nineteen twenty nine. Okay. This is the ninetieth anniversary of Buck Rogers. He debuted as a pulp character in uh, dime novels or one of the magazines from the time period. He was originally Anthony Rogers. Dude was inspecting coal mines in like 1919 Virginia and he inhaled some sort of toxic gas that put him in suspended animation. He wakes up hundreds of years later. Whole Rip Van Winkle thing like straight out of like Rip Van Winkle or I think that there's been some like, like I don't know the Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court or some shit like that where yeah. the, you know where's uh, an average schmo of the time period gets transported through time. Bill uh, and Ted's excellent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Slightly higher IQ but not only slightly. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, it's like too much credit. And so it was a popular serialized story that was in uh, one of the anthologies. Well, you had the newspaper syndicates coming up in the 20s and one of the newspaper syndicate people was like, hey, we need a space strip, you know, and this Anthony Rogers thing seems like it'd be good to adapt into a comic strip. But Anthony Rogers is not a great name. We need something a little more punchy like Buck. And that's how Buck Rogers was born. And in fact, Anthony Rogers, because he came out in a serial and because of how copyrights work, Anthony Rogers is actually in the public domain. Buck Rogers is, I believe, owned by a syndicate, though, because they renamed the character. And most of the trappings, like Wilma Dittering, fellow pilot who's going on adventures with him, was already in the serials before the comic strip. Flash Gordon is a ripoff of Buck Rogers. Very similar situation, except instead of traveling through time, they just go across space, but it's still the same thing. You've got a male and female adventurers going up against these Asianic bad guys. A lot of yellow peril type stuff, a lot of squicky racial stuff in both of these properties. Flash, of course, became more popular because they had Alex Raymond. You know, you had one of the greatest illustrators in all of newspaper comic doing Flash Gordon. And it was more visually inventive. Everybody was ripping off that strip more than Buck Rogers. But Flash Gordon doesn't exist before it rips off Buck Rogers. But because Flash Gordon eclipses Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon ends up getting a movie serial first by Buster Crabb. And because the Flash Gordon serial does well, the movie serial does well, they do a Buck Rogers serial with the same actor using mostly the same set. And they just had Buster Crabb dye his hair dark color to give it a superficial distance. Well, again, Buck still struggled compared to Flash Gordon. He just wasn't as popular. They tried to do a TV show in the 1950s. It didn't go anywhere. What is the name of the uh, blonde from Vertigo? Alfred Hitchcock. Okay, anyway. So the the only memorable thing was that uh, she was in the pilot. Coming up on the 15th anniversary of Buck Rogers, 1977, NBC wants to try to do a new, you know, a a revival. And they were going to do much more of a straightforward, square-jawed kind of deal. He was going to have like a sidekick and stuff. Star Wars happens, of course. 
and everybody wants to do something Star Wars-like. Glenn Larson, the producer of Buck Rogers, he was known for ripping off popular movies and turning them into TV shows with such rapidity that he sometimes managed to beat the thing he was ripping off onto screens because he'd have advanced word of what was coming, he'd have a buzz, he'd get a sense of what it was, and he would just do as close to a carbon copy as he could. Uh, he ripped off Butch Cassidy said Dance Kid with Alias Smith and Jones. Uh, he ripped off Any Which Way But Loose with BJ and the Bear. He saw what was going on with Star Wars. Star Wars made fucking phenomenal money. Star Wars cost like $11 million. It made nearly a billion in 77. It's it's astonishing how well Star Wars did in, in modern terms, you know, even before you adjust the dollars for time. Uh, that movie just did amazing. And it completely revolutionized how we see film, you know, especially science fiction and science fantasy because back in the day, this was trash. This was the stuff you spent no money on. There was all this problems with Lucas going over budget on Star Wars, but of course, when the movie made that much money so many, many times what the thing cost, and of course, the first merchandising. I mean, Planet of the Apes beat Star Wars in the merchandising game in terms of getting out there earliest. It kind of taught Lucas all the trick and, and what to do when Star Wars came along. But aside from Planet of the Apes, you really can't find anything in terms of merchandising that's similar to Star Wars. Because that movie did such phenomenal money, and everybody wanted a piece of that kind of pie, everybody started doing the science fantasy take. And Larson was no exception. And recognizing that you're going to have to spend some money to get something that looked remotely like Star Wars onto the screen, they did Battlestar Galactica. And that was a very expensive show. They, I think the pilot cost them like $8 million, and the show cost them like a million dollars an episode. My understanding is the ratings weren't too bad on Battlestar Galactica. It was just another one of these situations where the show just cost so much money, especially in 1978 dollars, that it was a problem keeping the thing on the air. And Battlestar Galactica was very po It was very, like, fix it. Did you ever watch Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. the original? Tell us a little bit. What is Battlestar Galactica? Um, the Seven Tribes, is it? Or how many tribes is it? It, it was a lift on biblical Seven Tribes of Israel kind Israel, of thing. Yeah, yeah, they're leaving Earth because of their creation, the Cylons. Cylons. Which were basically proto-Terminators. They were robots who had rebelled against humankind and were attempting to exterminate the entire human race. And so the human race is trying to run away from their own creations. And, it, you know, they're looking for the lost tribes that went into space and found a new planet to inho- inhabit. And it's their adventures of running away from the Cylons. I, I think it's the opposite. I think they got away from Earth and that the story was them trying to find their way back to Earth while the Cylons were chasing after oh, them. Oh, no, I thought... I thought Because the, the Battlestar Galactica, I think, is the last of the surviving ships, you know, that, is, that escaped from this attempted genocide. See, and they're the, trying to find the their way back one to Earth. I saw sporadically. Now, I, I saw the the updated one, the 2001. Yeah, Ronald from, J. Ronald Moore. Yeah. Yeah, I watched that from episode one to the end, and that was fantastic. Yeah, I, I get about a season and change into it, and I stopped not because we didn't like it, but we just kind of lost the thread and did other things and never got back to it. That's great. Yeah, it's a good show. Did you have any of the figures, by the way? Uh, I had a Cylon. I had a Cylon, and I had some did Conan. You, wait, did you have the Cylon that just moved at the hips? I think so. Yeah, yeah I think he, he like had a rifle. Yeah, and, and obviously the Cylon was just Stormtrooper wannabe, you know, Silver Ro- Stormtrooper. I well, think in, my, I, in my toys, it was the Rogue Trooper. Sure, sure. Kind of the Captain Phasma prelude, you know? Yes. Yeah. There was also, I think, one that had like a cone head, or like had like this robot like brain pan thing, I think. It, like it had an elongated head. Ever I don't remember that one. And I had a General Adama, for sure. I had a Starbuck. I don't know if I had a Starbuck. I remember I had a But the funny thing is, I had several of these action figures, but I think I bought them just as action figures. I never liked the show. I'd, I'd watch every now and again, but I just found it kind of boring and dark, because they were always doing that stuff where the Cylons would be talking about themselves. They were in this dark tribunal room and stuff, and Adama, you know, Bonanza was still in reruns when Battlestar Galactica was running, and so I always had this cognitive dissonance between seeing the same guy playing the patriarch of the Bonanza clan, and I think he also did like a documentary series in the 70s, and then he's also playing General Adama, so it was one of those instances as a kid where it's like, it, it bothered me that he was doing all three things at once in my brain, in my experience, so I, I just couldn't let it go. Lauren Green. Oh, he was doing commercials. He was doing like, what did dog food commercial he did back in the day? Okay. I'm sure you'll you'll insert it here. Attaboy. Oh, oh, yeah. I love this old dog. He's 15. That's 105 for you and me. He's an Alpo dog. Alpo's helped keep him healthy and happy for 15 years. Like Alpo Beef Chunks Dinner. Meat byproducts, beef, and balanced nutrition. That's all a dog ever needs to eat. Maybe Colonel's been around so long because uh, Alpo's been around so long. What do you say, Colonel? I just never could get into Battlestar Galactica. And it was an expensive show, and it wasn't very well-reviewed. And so Glenn Larson had been offered Buck Rogers, and this was on another network, too. I, if I remember correctly, Battlestar Galactica was on ABC, and Buck Rogers was going to be on NBC. But Larson was smart. He realized, well, I'm already doing Battlestar Galactica. I have all these sets. I have all these special effects, sound effects, musical cues, all the stuff that I'm putting into Battlestar Galactica. If I could take, I could uh, help with the cost if I had a whole other show to shift this stuff to and do a different kind of show using the same 
same setup. And that's what he did. That's what Buck Rogers was. It, it, if you said that some of that stuff seems familiar to you from Battlestar Galactica, it's because they'd had similar weapons, similar armors, some, you know, a lot of the shots are from Battlestar Galactica. This mm. show was a self-lift of Glenn Larson's other show. Parts bin. Yeah. Repurposed parts. Yeah. Uh, William Stout and Christopher McQuarrie. Christopher McQuarrie is, of course, uh, very famous for his uh, production work on the original Star Wars movie. He'd been hired to do work on either Battlestar Galactica or Buck Rogers. And basically what they did is even like some of the designs, like the ships that they use in the show for the Earth Forces, those ships had originally been designed for Battlestar Galactica and been rejected because they wanted something that looked more like TIE Fighters. And that's how you ended up with the Vipers on Battlestar Galactica. So even the design stuff was well, lifted. Because those shows look like uh, snow speeders from Hoth. Yeah, Star Wars. which is like... which is funny because they predate Hoth. They're, really? Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, you end up it's with It's all this, circular, man. Yeah, you, you end up with this continuum where, yeah, you might have these ripoffs and then shows that were inspired by Star Wars that go on Homages. to help inspired. Yeah. Influenced. Yeah. So uh, who wants to talk about the basics of the story we just watched? It was Max first time. Buck Rogers leaves Earth in 1986 and travels through space. A malfunction on his spaceship causes him to fall into some form of cryostasis. 500 years into the future, he is awakened by a destroyer. What was the name? Draconian? Draconian destroyer. He is taken aboard and debriefed. They believe that he is actually an Earthling spy. spy. A plant from Earth. The Draconian destroyer, equipped with its queen. What's her name? Ardala. Ardala. It's Princess Ardala, by the way. And Kane or Kang? Kane, Kane is a human who is working with the Draconian. Uh, played by Henry Silver. Are headed to Earth. And under the, fa- under the false premises of aiding Earth because they're running low on supplies and food due to uh, recent pirating attacks on their supply well, vessels. And also well, it's worth noting that Earth had gone, had been wiped out by nuclear annihilation in the time that Buck Rogers was warming. asleep. And they had struggled to gain any resources on this nuclear wasteland. So eventually they created computers that took over the uh, handling Earth you know, resources. They could grow a little bit of their own, but mostly they reliant on other worlds to supply them with goods. And the Draconians were coming in to uh, supposedly help them with that. My, my question is, what did we have to trade? I know, right? What were we giving them? I guess we were supposed to be like their soldiers since they supposedly didn't I, I have soldiers. Because I remember another time I like trade. I'm like, well, usually one group has something the other group would, wouldn't mind trading for. And I'm like, if our planet is barren, what do we have to trade? Like dirt? I was getting to all of that, assholes. Anyway, <laughs> um, so they talked to Buck Rogers and they just determined that he belongs back on Earth. They repair his ship, put him back in it, and send him off. Little does he know they've attached a GPS dealio that will help them break through Earth's force field. As Captain Buck Rogers approaches Earth, he is escorted by, what's that chick's name? Wilma Deering. Colonel Wilma Deering. Colonel Wilma Deering, uh, through the force field so they can debrief him because they believe he is a draconian spy and or pirate. No, they believe that he's a pirate. Right. Because they still think the draconians are good. Right. <clears throat> anyway, they go back and forth and there's some sexual innuendo and he's sort of like hot at her and she's sort of like, get out of here, gross, uh, old Earth guy. Um, that's when we meet, what's the robot guy's name? Twiggy. 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 And, 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 uh, uh, Professor or Dr. Thurnsboro or yeah. Th- <laughs> Horns Thorough. What's his name? Uh, Dr. Farsfrist. Dr. Thur- they say his name all Dr. the time. Dr. Theopolis. Dr. Theopolis. They call him Theo. Yes. Dr. Theopolis basically is like a, a flavor flave clock around his neck. <laughs> True <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah. So apparently, so like uh, Frank's cut me off earlier and said, uh, they've basically got a c- computer generated AI that runs the planet because they done fucked it up too bad. Fucked it up so bad, in fact, that they can't, uh, we can't live what anymore. Remember, they're not exactly robots because they do have emotions and they do have right. feelings. Right. Well, I said AI. That's, what's, that's what separates them from machines. Yes. So apparently we can hurt their feelings. And, and Buck's pretty cavalier, so he, he hurts Theo's feelings right from the So jump. do we want to describe... So Theo looks like a talking clock around the neck of this small droid. Twiggy? Twi- I keep saying... Twiggy. 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 Um, the flavor flave of the Buck Rogers. So, of course... Oh, and they also say, you know, basically all records before the genocide that wiped out the planet the Holocaust. don't exist. The Holocaust. Um, except that fucking Twiggy is well-versed in uh, old 50s one liners because he'll go twiggy 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 oh my so and so bitty 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 my, call a taxi oh my, oh my well, ball bearings are frozen <laughs> if, if you watch the episode you'll realize that for about a third or more of the episode when twiggy's on screen he's just doing the bitty 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 and the original plan was for him to just do the beep because they, they, it was a wholesale lift from Star Wars yep. he was going to be R2-D2 and Theopolis was going to be C-3PO um, but what happened was they got Mel Blanc to do the voice for Twiggy and he just threw in it as a joke, you know, Bok 
Doc, you're my kind of guy. And they realized that it would be easy to use him as a comedy relief character because they wanted this to be a much lighter show than Battlestar Galactica. And because he had no facial features, it just looked like a small boy in the face. He doesn't have a mouth, so they can just drop in one-liners where they wanted to. And down the line, they dropped in all those zingers. Dubbed it in after. They dubbed it in. Oh exactly. My God. Ugh. Anyway, um, Buck manages to convince everybody that he is, in fact, from the past. Uh, but I don't know that he really convinces he anybody. Convince I, I, they kept this. Everybody all, kind of. He, he convinces they Theo. They, said they were doing testing, and he was like, get, they were getting all kinds of weird reads. He convinces on Theo that he that he's legit. Then he has to go before some council, and they're like, nope, this dude's one hundred. First, he's all like, you got nothing to worry about, and they come back, and they're all like, you're guilty. unanimously guilty. You know, there was a bit in the screenplay that didn't make it into the TV show where the prosecutor robot was supposed to have been programmed by Kane and was basically a traitor and that robot was going to be destroyed at the end of the episode but that whole storyline got cut I don't think before it ever got filmed and I should say the reason he's under this trial is because they found the GPS locator right uh, and he was like I didn't put that there Um. anyway what happened after that they sentenced him to die and Wilma has started to kind of come around to believing him they offer to take him to the draconian ship to see if his descriptions match what he was telling them which it did then he manages to get himself invited oh they using earth skills and a lot of football lingo that I'm not familiar with from the sports balls that you guys like so much <laughs> uh, he manages to destroy a, a squadron of the pirates did, after did they, they had explain, already but did they explain why their their uh, targeting system wasn't working well because they trust computers to do everything okay it was and like, because they've, they've destroyed the earth so thoroughly that they don't have any faith in themselves as human beings anymore okay. they trust the robots to do everything problem being is that everybody's running programs if you've got a spirit program you're going to be able to wipe because we're out. running the running joke was every time Buck would say hey little Barry don't and then he would die yo Frank and I mean just literally everyone he called out was being murdered right right well he was trying to warn them they just they, I they don't know man they seem to be calling the shot <laughs> right so uh, so he goes off the computer line and manages to save himself and Wilma who are end up being the only pirates. survivors yeah and they kill yeah and uh, because of this he they the uh, princess decides to have a gala and everybody goes back to the gala you guys want to talk a little about that where to start with this gala well, well let's see uh, so, Buck decides to get funky what did he say get oh down. he says so many different things get down with it before the okay no no so so we should set the tone here it is like a ball where they're they're except so uh, the draconians are there like i said earlier it's it's this big they're gonna open up trade right because all their their ships are being raided by pirates so they're basically starving to death right so and it, these pirates and the, the the other group are mortal enemies sure well and, that's what they betrayed themselves yes. as being. right so uh anyway they're welcoming this princess arriving and of course she comes out and she's wearing like a be- like a belly dancer outfit with like this weird glittery thistly horn head headdress right yeah the, the costume designer was going for what was called Mongolian um, beef yeah no, no <laughs> Mongolian opulent and then uh, they had noted that they didn't have opulence in Mongolia because they were they were impoverished so if they had been opulent this is what Mongolian opulence would have looked like wait so were, wait, wait you are were, you, you were just this? telling a joke <laughs> no 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 you that's were not for telling real. a joke that's for real, that's for real. Mongolian opulence Mongolian opulence yes and so she's got the furry white cap with the horns and then you've got the glitters trails coming off of that the the shimmery tassels, tassels. Uh, and then if she's got the beaded uh, pearl dress God, they're all, all these movies look this, I mean that's the same thing like what they have in, Buck, in uh, Flash Gordon well in Star Wars because again all of it is influenced by Orientalism and the and the yellow peril that was such a big thing in the 20s and 30s no seriously that's uh, Ming the Merciless yeah. he's Fu Manchu okay what, um, Tiger so, Man yeah Tiger Man uh, who is Tiger Man you want, I want to tell him about he's that right like, he's like uh, the muscle. bodyguard slash pet of the princess and he's got the tiger stripes yeah. uh, he's bald haired the, uh, uh, the Fu Manchu mustache right really you, creative it, name yeah but uh, Matt, Mac made a pretty important observation about Tiger Man while we were watching. You remember your observation? Friend, I don't. Okay. I'm sure it was amazing, though. So, so for most of the movie, we see this tall, toned Tiger Man, who is the bodyguard, looking really cool. The thing about that dude is he was actually a, a Universal Studios tour guide, and they saw this guy who's like six foot seven and well-muscled, like, get that guy into the wardrobe. And so they, they fit him out to be Tiger Man. He's Tiger Man throughout the filming of the movie. But again, what happened was they were doing this TV pilot, but it looked so good that at least we're coming back looking so good that somebody at Universal said, I don't want that for a TV show. I want that for a movie. We're going to make this a movie and then you guys can have it back and do a TV show afterward. And so they filmed this movie and then there was a long gap while they tried to perfect the special effects and get and set up a scenario where they could do this on a weekly basis for NBC. And in that meantime, they came back and they did some reshoots to help set things up for the, the ongoing series. Well, that security guard disappeared. He fucked off to Minnesota or some shit and they could not find the fucker. So they had to get a whole other Tiger Man who's like a foot and a half shorter. Chubby and wider, yeah, and wider and chubbier, and, uh, you, and just okay. I thought that was me. When we no, watching, I, was like, I was like, he looks old. 
older too. Mm-hmm. Like, he looked a little it, considerably less okay. impressive. Tiger I just Man. Thought that yes. meant there were more Tiger Men. <laughs> right. Oh, no, okay. it's supposed to be the same guy. Oh, they, they couldn't oh. get the. They couldn't find were, the dude. There were Tigressmen. Yeah. Um. And then the, and then back to the Mongolian Whoa. opulence of Queen Ardala's outfit. She's wearing all those beads, right? Yeah. Can well, that be the name of the podcast? Mongolian. <laughs> <opulence>? <laughs> yeah. Uh, wouldn't be a bad one. A book yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah. Um. So she's got the beaded outfit, right? And so she's being fitted again, or they're they're, they're doing a quick costume test before they're going to be filming. And she notes to the, the guy that he's going to need to loosen this up because after two hours wearing this, she's going to be cross-eyed with the delirium from these pearls. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. It can't be too tight. You know, we fitted it. And she said, well, go ahead and look. So he squats down and he moves the pearls and she's just hanging out. And she's like, backs away real quick, you know, and she's like, what, did it wink at you? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So, uh... What? <laughs> Where did you read this? I, I I actually got a book about Buck Rogers and I've been reading it a little at a time. Where, so what winked at her? I'm confused now. The JJ. So it was so tight. Her, of, the, 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 her Tiger Man. Yeah. Her 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 dress beads were hanging so tight against her privates that she was getting off on it, and so I had to loosen that shit up. Buck fucking Rogers. Buck man. fucking Rogers, man. Yeah. Actually, uh, the various people who talked about Pamela Hensley, who who was the actress who played Queen Ardala, noted that uh, even Aaron Gray called her this great broad because they didn't work together very often because since they were both love interests to Buck Rogers throughout the series, they weren't in the same scene, so they were very rarely filming on the same days. But what she liked about Hensley was that she was just a straight talking, no bullshit Mae West hype. And everybody on the set loved it because she would make the crude jokes and everything else. The silver balls that they danced with at the gala, she's like, look what my daddy got me for Christmas! You know, just fucking around with people. Obviously, she was gorgeous. She went on to marry, like, some billionaire dude and basically fade out of the spotlight. Better cock your pistols. But not before she was in the Matt Houston TV show. Do you remember that one at all? No, sir. Okay. So that had, what's that fucker's name? The guy from the Swords of Sorcery. Who's the barbarian dude? Remember the actor's name? Yeah. Lee Horsley. So Lee Horsley, to my mind, I looked at Lee Horsley and I thought he was a uh, Magnum P.I. ripoff. I don't think that's fair in retrospect because he was like a high-class private investigator. You know, he was moneyed and he lived in the, like a skyscraper, he had offices in the skyscraper, and he did detective cases. That's not enough to make him Magnum P.I. besides they both had luscious mustache. But Pamela Hensley played his girl Friday on that show. And of course, she's very seductive. She has that sultry voice, those looks, everything else. Not bad on the eyes at all, yeah? Oh, no, sir. No, sir. Yeah. And so besides being in Maggie and after this, um, that was pretty much the end of her career because she married well and kind of just faded out. Good for her. Yeah. Anyway, so they're at this, this gala. Uh, obviously, everybody's sort of swooning over her. Sort of. Like, you can't really get a read on these dudes. They're all kind century. of limp fit. Yeah. It, it, it's a whole society of limp fit. Right. Both sides. So anyway, he, he tells uh, uh, DJ Wiki to go get him a rose. And, and some aspirin because he's still got a headache from the suspended animation, supposedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what it feels like, well, but what? He's like, just go get it, Twiggy. Twiggy walks off and it's a tweaky, Twiggy. I'm gonna keep calling him Twiggy. It's Twiggy. Twiggy. Uh, he comes back with the rose, so then when it's his time to go meet the princess, keep in mind they've already met when he was on her ship briefly earlier. Um, but he was all drugged up at the time. So yeah, yeah. They, they didn't think he'd remember or would make it that far. So they thought they were sending him into a spit force field uh, uh, surrounding the earth and was gonna blow the fuck out. So they were surprised he's even still around. And and they make she's like hyper sexualized because there's a there's a scene earlier where she's swimming in a pool naked. Yeah. And she's talking to Krang or whatever. There's definitely some and, camera and angles there that's saving. That show from going R. Yeah. And but she's like like she's not the only one. She's got all these people who are caring for her that have like they are getting like down blouses and stuff. They're all in bikinis and shit. But she she like swims up to the edge of the pool and she's got her goblet and she's like rubbing her finger all on the edge of the goblet while she's talking to him all seductively. And was, so in this one, when he hands her the rose, she's like rubbing the rose on her cheeks and jawline and stuff. And it's just like this show has got it's got a little It's a very horny show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he he's dropping innuendo left and right. Anyway. Everybody for, for most part, but him respect Buck is definitely ready to fuck. Even, twi- even Tweaky later on does it. But again, okay, so Tweaky, he was going to do the bitty 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 the whole time. Like I said, he they, they heard Mel Blanks ad lib and they thought it would be funny. But if you watch the episode, you'll notice that at least a third of the time that Tweaky's in the show, he's still just doing the bitty bitty bitty. Correct. And they slowly start introducing more and more lines, and supposedly it's, he's just it's so enamored with Buck and he's picking up so much lingo for Buck in such a short span of time that that's where that's coming from. That's, that's not that that's he's complete bullshit. But that's fine. <laughs> well, uh, he does say the first word he says is Laheim as Buck oh, is yeah. getting a drink on. So you know that Twicky is Jewish, but if you there's any doubt, his head is a circumcised penis. I mean, just look at it. It's yeah, clear. It's like, obviously, please Google search. Yeah. He's got a, he's a total dickhead. He's a total dickhead. Uh, and what's funny, too, is Glenn Larson said that was not correct. Alan Brennert, who was a uh, story editor on the show, if I recall correctly, Alan Brennert, who's worshipped over at the Fire and Water podcast for some of the stuff he's done with DC, with Batman, he swore up and down that it didn't look like a penis, but all the women they talked to said, oh yeah, it was clearly a penis. Obviously. 
obvious. It's, it's really obvious. obvious. Well, obvious. and uh, also Gil Gerard would see Twicky come on stage and say, "Hey, look, it's Twicky, the world's largest vibrator." And uh, Felix Silva, who played Twicky, would give him the finger and say, "Fuck you, Buck," or "Fuck you, Gil." Uh, it was just like a running gag of theirs. Anyway, so he, he seduces the princess and, and convinces Buck, her. We should clarify, Buck's, not not Twicky, because no, well, he's got to see where that would go. Well, so he seduces her to, to dance, and what do you call it? Uh, Don't forget the getting down. Krang's like, Krang's like, hey, no, 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 the princess will not. And she's all like, I'm going to do whatever I want. And gets up and uh, they dance and they're doing. Anyway, so they're doing this. They have these weird like chrome balls that they're supposed to be. Phantasm balls. That they're balancing on their hands and stuff. And he's like, forget this. And he walks over to the DJ and he's like, give me something with a little, you know. Rock and, and roll. And he starts kind of, yeah, rock and roll, man. And he starts like doing bleep, bleep, bleep. And he's like, man, you got to let yourself go. You got to let yourself go. And then he starts playing some freaking. Like, totally generic. Yeah, no, no, no. That was definitely some generic TV movie disco. Like, yeah, yeah, that was like Area 57 or whatever. <laughs> hey, and th- this was like right after... Studio. Uh, sorry, the, Studio. Not yeah. Area. <laughs> Studio 54. <laughs> I'm getting my Storm alien. Studio 54. I'm getting my aliens and my discos mixed up. <laughs> Easy to do with this production. Um, but yeah, but yeah, and this was r- shortly after the big disco demolition night. You're a sports guy, sports ball, so you know about the disco demolition night. Yeah, when they had, what was a disco night at one of the, like, was it a Phillies game or some shit? I think it was Red Sox, wasn't it? No, no. Yeah. But anyway, so they were supposed to just burn a few records, but instead fans swept under the film uh, field. Like and, and chaos. Yeah, yeah, it was complete chaos, and they had to forfeit a game because of it. Uh, anyway, yeah, so he, he basically is like, convinces, he was like, hey, you know, I'd really like to spend some time alone with you. She's like, my ship leaves at midnight, and he's like, I'll see you there. Uh, so the, But only uh, after Wilma decides to try to suck face with him, feeling like he's finally redeemed himself, and he's like, as, the time. as he's kissing her, he's like, looking at his watch over her shoulders, one of the most cold-blooded punk <laughs> Because she's, she's finally like, I'm falling for this guy. Like she was trying to hold out and be all like, Oh, this guy's a traitor or this guy's bullshit. And then finally, she's just falling for him. He's just like looking at us, watch while he's kissing. Her. Well, what's funny too is this is there's no consistency with this character because she, one moment she's taught looking at them dancing disco, which is not disco dancing by the way. This is not fucking John Travolta out here. This is some fucking dad move. Kinda fucking like Carlton. This, this is Drake's uh, uh, what cell phone bling Hot, level level of hotline bling dancing. Yes, um, but but apparently this is disgustingly wrong for Wilma and then she turns right around and starts kissing yeah, him like, so. this is disgusting or this is vile or whatever yeah like, I, I want some of this give me some of this yeah um, it's disgusting anyway he, he uh, gets aboard her ship seduces her slips her a Mickey knocks her out yeah they, they, the supposed aspirin that uh, Theopolis and Twiki had gotten for him was such a powerful sedative that if you only you have to take she, only one and he gives her like three totally I thought you know. he poured the whole bottle in there like, yeah, he, 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 put, he put like three or four in there so it was it a roofie colada it was, it was problematic yes. so anyway. well it's the only time I think in his that a guy's ever doped up a chick to not have sex with her. Right, right. well, I was I was sure about that. Well, I, I'm th- confident, I'm confident. Yeah, Mr. Fixit was quick to make the Cosby joke as soon as she, he was doing that. It was not the blues clues we were looking for. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, bef- and right before that, she revealed that, look, she need, that he had the moxie to replace her father, and she's got 20-something other sisters that are all going 29, 29 I believe, yeah. At her heels. Um, so what I'm wondering like, is, this dude got no sons, though? Apparently not. Um, so she's like, you, you, know, you and I side-by-side can take over this, the whole draconian you know fleet or whatever uh, and so he's like yeah cool knocks her out drugs her and then he basically goes to the uh, all the launching pads because these guys are actually it turns out these are the dudes who have been dressing up as pirates and blowing and, up and their attacking, supply ships attacking the trade lines which are forcing the earthlings to make, to make this deal right so, yeah. uh, And but really the trick is we they need to get close enough so they drop their shields and then we can just you know fly in with all sorts of uh, warships yeah. so he, he runs up as they're getting ready to do this attack he runs up there and he's basically sticking bananas in the old tailpipes and he's sticking bombs in their exhaust ports. Ships are detonating left and right. Twiggy's running around going break, 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 whatever. Uh, <laughs> bitty, bitty, bitty. Yeah, then he and Buck is dressed up like one of the bad dudes and then Twiggy runs a, a ground of He and Theo run a ground of well, and they're uh, like, again, hey man, we caught you. And he's got a blaster on him and he's all like, we knew you were a traitor. You were a traitor after all. He's like, don't you see what I'm doing here, dude? Banana in the tailpipe. But when you say dress as one of the bad guys, he's dressed, they, they had all the Asianic influences in Star Wars particularly the uh, Hidden Fortress, the Kurosawa influences. Yeah. Vader looks like a samurai. The Death Star commanders kind of had like samurai helmets as well. So it's clear that this is a second-hand lift of Asianic influence. Oh, but yeah, but, but even look like samurai. Yeah, yeah, even like more, way over, more over. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, these dudes could have been riding around on horses with maces hitting people. Absolutely. And it would have yeah. been the exact same costume. That, so when he's he's throwing these bombs, oh, anyway, he, he tells Theo, no, dude, this is what I'm doing. He's like, you got to go communicate to blah, blah, blah. And he's like, go, and they do that. So he does that part of that. And as he's bombing the rest of these things, they're blowing up on the the ship. Um, that's when fake Tiger Man appears. And yeah. He fights fake Tiger.
Tiger Man beats that dude. Kitty Man. Puts a bomb on his back and kicks him forward. Pussy yep. Man. Um, anyway, from there on, they save the day, right? Which is funny, because Tiger Man does turn back up again earlier in the series. He didn't blow up as beard in the movie. I'm wondering, because we watched the movie, and I actually wanted to try to watch the TV episodes, because they did re-edit the movie. They added some scenes. They took out some scenes. And I think they might have taken out the death of Tiger Man, since they did reuse that specific actor, unfortunately, uh, to play Tiger Man ask, later on in the series. the third Tiger Man, or if they maintained second I'm assuming Tiger Man? I'm assuming they well, later they did get a, a black of Tiger Man that just kind of reach in and grab a new. Later on, they will get a black guy and make a Panther Man. So just, Are you serious? I'm oh. not joking. I'm not oh, joking. Man, I wish you wouldn't have spoiled that for me because I really want to. <laughs> Looking forward to that one. Yeah. Anyway, wrap up the rest of the. But yeah, uh, well, the other thing too is they made a big deal about her dad, and her dad is oh, right. like full yellow face, big time yellow face, Fu Manchu bullshit. Emperor. Played by the same actor, I believe his name is Joseph White Wiseman, who played Doctor No in the first James Bond movie, also in yellow face. They cut the character pretty much entirely from the TV version of it, the two-parter. Not so much for recognition of him being a gross racial stereotype, but because his quote was probably too high that he didn't want to have to pay him to appear on other episodes. But the side effect of that was in the TV series, Ardala looks more in control and more like she's a queen, as you uh, tried to promote her as, because the dad was out of the picture. And they also recast Kane. Kane's played by Henry Silva, who's one of the great movie heavies of all time, and was in tons of period TV shows as a bad guy. They got another actor to play him because I, I guess they didn't want to pay for Henry Silva all the time as well and this other guy was more of a sycophant uh, that she's portrayed as being by Ardala in the movie but Silva I think has a gravitas that you can't deny where to make him more of the meek underling they recast that part oh really yeah that's interesting and they cut out some of the more brazen jokes like freezing my ball bearings off or when Buck sneaks off to the remains the wasteland of Earth trying to find you know some evidence of his parents grave and the like and they get attacked by the rejects from the Omega Man the nuclear ravaged people who were basically Tusken Raiders, let's be honest. Another Star Wars riff, yeah. ultimately. Although Fix It was pointing out the uh, Planet of the Apes similarities as well. Yeah. So these he guys. Even, no, but he was even saying they're coming. He was, we're not worried for you, Buck. I'm worried for. Yeah, because Twi- Twiki and Hewer had gone out with him into because the wilderness. Because he was like, they use his microchips in Transistor Black Market, which is Tusken yeah. Raider shit. Yeah. Right and there. I don't they're even, just... I don't even want to think what they do with Twiki. <laughs> and again, yeah. skeet, skeet, yes. skeet. definitely something sexual. Yeah. Absolutely something sexual. <laughs> Absolutely. Vibratobot <laughs> is what they freaking turn him into full time. <laughs> or maybe they'll worship him like they did in uh, Beneath Planet of the Apes. Like he's uh, a big old missile dick man. Well, I thought you were thinking more like uh, C-3PO when the Ewoks worship uh, C-3PO. Oh yeah, true that, true that. Well, that, yeah, that wouldn't be so unthinkable. That'd be kind of good actually. Wilma had saved them at the, at the last minute because she came in with a tank because she knew Buck was going to run off and do something stupid like he always does. And Buck had said that she, what she had done was ballsy and they cut that out of the TV version as well because it was just too brazen. And they fly back to Earth and live happily ever after until episode two. I suppose, yeah. I mean, isn't that how where it ends? Aren't they just flying back to Earth? Am I missing where they do? Yeah, they- no, they do, they fly back to Earth after destroying the Draconian ship, which took a fucking eternity to build. By the way, this thing was apparently this huge model that they had done, and they they didn't they ran out of time. They didn't quite get it finished as they would have liked. But this thing apparently was just like feet and feet and feet long, and it took months to do that. They actually had a special effects base. I think they called it Heartland, where they were just grinding out special effects for Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers. And given this is 1979 television, I think that looked pretty damn good. Oh, for- they held up. Yeah, I mean, you can tell it's mats and, and models, but I think it looks pretty good. I mean, I like look, the designs. I, I like the aesthetic. I get, I get it's 1979. I, I like but, it because they look like but, they have weight. Mm-hmm. I get it's 1979, but let's not forget another star show existed, too, called Star Trek. And I don't think it looked like blue Star Trek out of the water or anything. I mean, I th- I, it was obviously more advanced, but it's not like this was some groundbreaking bullshit either. Well, but how often did you really see space battles on the original Star Trek, though? I don't know. I don't just, I, yeah, you mostly yeah, just man. saw the Starship Enterprise over and over again. They would fly over a planet, and then they but would that's they what I was when, when they were showing that ship like flying past the screen I was like oh man that kind of looks like Star Wars and I was like oh wait a second Star Trek predates this by fucking forever mm-hmm. and they had plenty of models flying around in space so it's not like that was that but that's what I'm saying they, they, they have plenty they did that one undercarry shot I, they, they did get closer to it but I, you know I don't know let's not forget that there was another space show Yeah, I yeah. feel like we haven't mentioned the word Star Trek at all in this fucking <laughs> entire podcast so far well, you, are the, you are the resident Trek I'm not a Trekkie okay I'm not Trekster, a Trekkie but Tunker. but let's not forget about it all right Never forget. and that was a television show as well okay. well and let's be honest it definitely buck rogers is going for horny man of space award that captain kirk and, and he tried the kirk move on tiger man where he did the double fist he oh hit, yeah hits the dude in the gut and he falls over no no it was against one of the tuscan raider guys. okay he kicks him in the the stomach and then does the double fist he definitely did some kirk foo some buck foo tons of 
freaking but kung fu. Where did the kick to the groin come from? Uh, that's just the classic Monster Squad. Rochambeau. Wolfman got nuts. <laughs> Tiger Man's got nards. Tiger Man's got nards. <laughs> Holy shit! What did we think of Gil Gerard's portrayal of Buck Rogers? I know you all guys don't give a fuck about Buck. I like him. How do you? But, but okay, but you know Buck Rogers as Gil Gerard, right? You, do you oh, know? Do you know any Buck Rogers besides the Gil Gerard's portrayal no. in the show? So it's Gil Gerard. So what do you think about the the performance? What do you think about the character as presented here? I like. He's likable. Kind Bro- of a dick. Brocast Han Solo. Brocast Han Solo. He's a broke. Han Solo. I don't. I don't think. I think he's much. I mean, I think he's more libidinous than Han Solo by far. I don't think. I don't remember Han being particularly like swinging dick when it came to the ladies. You know, I mean, he he was obviously enamored. He's scruffy enamored, enough. Her. Yeah, he's enough her. Uh, he was definitely enamored of Princess Leia, but I don't really him, him macking all that uh, much, okay, right? I'm not the macking, but he's just got the cocky, the cockiness. Sure, cocky but that's pilot, a pilot thing. Cocky pilot. Yeah. Well, that's and like, that's the idea too. Is they thought that it, since this guy was supposed to be uh, part of the lineage of the right stuff, space age, yeah. you know. Hal Jordan type of dude that that swagger would come naturally I mean if anything Han Solo was also part of that lineage so it's not necessarily it's a direct riff off I'm of just Stan telling Han you that's how I see broke ass Han Solo I see this, I, is, I see, this honestly, is Han I, Solo's I see more Kirk in him honestly uh, I think that he's he's got that sort of nobility you know he's kind of a straight shooter but he's also definitely very very thirsty for the ladies uh, although uh, he doesn't consummate with any of these women that he's messed around with in this episode so he, he could have been more uh, of a let 500 years man Some Cialis was necessary, I'm sure. He's got to crack it open. You know, he's yeah. still got like ice in the, you have in to the remember, testes. He's been hard longer than four hours, yeah. and he really needed to have consulted a physician. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 500 years. I, I think he had a literal milkshake in his testicles. Well, so. see, look, you always do this. You always do this. You always all, do this. Well, okay, but we're forgetting, okay, in the movie version, we have the title sequence, which is a, basically a, a wet dream unto itself. So The we, title we, sequence is basically a Skinamax I, open. Tell you, you, that, you want to describe this? Dream. We were in his mind and he was just dreaming of us. I, I think just so. Just railroading chick after chick after Yeah, ba- chick. basically the opening is playing the weird opening theme that is weird. The, the, the opening theme with the lyrics. So it's much more like, you know, far beyond our time. So it's very loungy kind of thing. But he's just like laying on like a glowing sphere and he's No, no, no. He's direction. laying on his logo uh, uh, that's been turned into a, a glowing platform. His name so it's, he's it's, laying it's, it's on the a Buck glowing Rogers. platform. Thank you. This, this spells out Buck Rogers. Okay. And he's basically turning one way, and there's a chick in a bikini, one of the chicks from this show. They're, they're all like they, silver out, tight-fitting outfits. Yeah, they w- they'll revealing. roll to him and start to kiss him, and then he would fade out, and then he's rolling another direction, and there's another chick, and then he would start to kiss her, and then he rolls another direction. And this basically goes on for fucking like five minutes. Mm-hmm. They're just r- him rolling towards and away from random women kissing. That's the chicks the were hot. Sure. And, and you've got Pamela Hensley and Aaron Gray. Aaron Gray portrays Wilma Deering. We haven't talked a lot about her. but I'm just saying it's a, it's a bizarre credit sequence. Oh, yes, very much so. Well, it didn't make it to the TV show, obviously. They went a different way. I would imagine that it would not. Yeah. Well, maybe they should have. No, I think they were right to... Yeah, the TV yeah. show was actually kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll check that out at a later date. I'm interested to see where this movie... So, so I mean, does what does the show turn into? Is this like a fucking, like, every episode he's flying through space getting into hijinks? Do, are they trying to fucking repair Earth and well, fight off people attacking Earth? What, what, does kind, he, of all, he, kind of all the above. The, the idea was they wanted to do something different from Battlestar Galactica because they're, if they're producing both shows at the same time, you want them to have some contrast. So the idea was Buck's going to be sort of a James Bond type. So he's going to be, you know, loving the ladies and spying and 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 having missions and stuff. And what they inserted into the TV version that they don't have in the movie version is that there's a coda where they invite him to join Earth forces and and you know come in as a captain with them. And he declines because he wants to have the autonomy to choose his battles and because he's basically seen these guys, you know, kind of blindly believe things that are kind of dumbass. And so he wants to have the ability to say no to these guys. You don't want to have to just bark to their orders. So he's sort of like an independent operator that works with the Earth Defense Forces. Like Han Solo. Kind of like Han Solo. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's an instance where you're definitely dead on the money. And so yeah, so he's, he's sort of he's like, like a consultant. He's like Han Bond. Han Bond. Han Solo mixed with James Bond. Yeah. And then Wilma is, is his main contact and, and his partner in most of his adventures. Yeah. Same actress. Yes. Yes. Okay. Erin Gray. And you said you thought you recognized her. I thought I recognized her. I, you know, I you said she was from The Mother in Silver Spoons. Well, I was mistaken. Apparently she was the girlfriend who later becomes the mother because I'm just not as Versed in Silver Spoon's continuity. I didn't, I didn't, and hey, I it over here. a goddamn train in my house. I watched <laughs> that show because he had a train in his house. Yeah, other than well, and Aaron like, Gray's the girlfriend. Although whenever I did watch Silver Spoons, is because I look, was looking at Aaron Gray. I would never watch it for Ricky Schroeder or the fucking train. 
Yeah, outside of Ricky Schroeder and who was and the, the dumbass dad? I don't remember yeah, who the like, dad was. Uh, well, Carlton was on the show too. Right, right. What? Alfonso, the young Carlton. Anyway, yeah, he was his friend or whatever. Yeah, his best. Uh, like other than some of those slight memories, I don't really remember that show. So there's no way I recognize her from that show. So I just but have she to was hot. Her confused some. Yeah, she's very, very, very. I, that's a very good reason to remember her. Yeah, I, honestly, I think she was. She's hotter than Apparently the Draconian chick. Yeah, and she. Was, I think that was more her wardrobe that kicked that up a notch. But. They were both alluring women. I, I don't want to. To diminish either one of them, I, they were both definitely daydream material when I was Rogers, a kid. My Buck Rogers power rankings, you now know them. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I, I will say for this first, the, for the movie, it already kind of like I just assumed this was going to be some dumb Lost in Space bullshit where it's either going to be they're just flying through space fighting people and he's like, I'm a caveman, I'm not <laughs> from your time. But I didn't even know that part. I didn't realize he was stuck from the past or whatever yeah. and got fast forwarded. But like I didn't really see him getting back to Earth so quickly and then suddenly like, he's learning the Earth's fucking had this huge awful apocalypse and there's almost none of them left I, I, it's already sort of kind of no pun intended bucking some of my expectations mm-hmm. I, it, it is a little for as derivative as it is it's got some pretty unique aspects, aspects to it yeah. that Star Wars doesn't have any of this uh, some some of this shit I mean, there, there's no disco dancing in Star Trek well, Star Wars no. Star Wars no 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 but, but I mean there's no like home planet that you know what I mean uh, you know what I'm saying there's not really a federation if anything they're more like Star Wars and actually even more like Battlestar Galactica where this is a small ragtag group essentially but it's funny they're supposed to be ragtag but they're also very sterile you know they're all that white that unforgiving white cool rainbows though cool rainbows yes and that predates the use of the the uh, rainbow flag for the rainbow coalition and the lgbtq movement but the designer the costume designer was happy to see that they would they basically embrace that same kind of look he likes seeing the rainbow flag as, as representative and again they do have women on this show in fact there's one episode where wilma was the only woman visible and there, there was a bunch of space cadets and and Gil Gerard was apparently shut down production until they got some more women into the scene because there was no way that Wilma Deering was the only woman in the space fleet. And uh, all the pilots in the fighting scene were all women. There was a couple of women. So there were several women in that one, but I mean, like I think it was a later episode where they were, they were showed a whole bunch of the uh, cadets and or the, a whole bunch of pilots, and all, the only woman was Wilma Deering, and Gil Gerard wouldn't have it. Aaron Gray gave him kudos for shutting down production until they got some more women out there. And there's also a lot of people of color in the mix, which is cool. But it, it's weird because they're supposed they 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 always seem like there's very small barely surviving group of people these pilots and yet they're in those immaculate white outfits they look very clean very on top of things I can't imagine how horrifying it must be to try to wear that uniform on a regular basis because you know you can't if you gain an ounce it's going to be visible in this outfit but I kind of dig it because you know it's kind of cool seeing these people basically running around naked uh, you know for the most part in these skin tight white outfits what else does the robot stay dumb Twicky is as Twicky will be yes that is Twicky for the rest of the show that's Twicky for the rest of the show he keeps the he's gonna keep making the goofy comments and stuff yeah the, the Theo clock stays as well Theo stays uh, I believe so was Theo in second season I think the, uh, I'm not sure about Theopolis but I know well, don't spoil Twi- it for me then because I mean I literally had a Twiki action figure when I was a kid they, they did make Star Wars sized action figures of these and the one I specifically remember having was Twiki and he was around for the whole series for sure so so is this two seasons of him fighting the Draconians from no, taking over Earth no the, the, the two seasons are very distinctly different they, is it uh, one season of him fighting Draconians and keeping Earth safe there's a lot of Draconians in the first season but it's not solely that in fact okay. again me and Mr. Fixit did the second episode already and it's not about the Draconians at all in that one episode okay I'm afraid you missed out on some Jack Palance action Jack Palance is in that episode yes oh, I, next one next two parter yes yes one thing too is I because this is the 40th anniversary of the TV show because it's the 90th anniversary of Buck Rogers and because this was a, a, a formative bit of media for me my original plan was to try to actually knock these out weekly because I figured you know we're just talking about a TV show I don't have to do a ton of editing shit I don't think that's going to happen I, I think it's a very ambitious idea at this point because we the production I as with another show on our network that I've been trying to work on quietly for a while I blew all my lead time on the production on this one just as I did with that one but because so many of the episodes are two parters and they only made like 42 episodes total between the two seasons we could actually get through this series relatively quickly especially if we do if there's so many two parters because that's almost like 20 some odd episodes we would have to do with this show but it, this will be a limited run series that hopefully won't take five 20, years 20-30 episodes something like that I, I think less than 30 for sure I think somewhere in the 20s you know okay. it'll be it'll, it'll probably run Briscoe uh, coming thing link you know gotcha yeah alright see you in six more months for episode two of <laughs> Buck fucking Rogers Buck fucking Rogers well the funny thing too is the, the the main reason why this happened though was because Ryan had his Dead Both and Spies which R.I.P. you, you, you continued to mourn the trailer for Dead Both and Spies because yep. you love that one so much and he turned that into Give Me Those Star Wars I think it's called I don't know that's, that name sucked but yeah okay no. well it's, he's taken from the Bill Murray skit from 
from Saturday no, Night Live. I where understand. He does the lounge. Yeah. I understand. He does like Dead Boston Spies Lounge. is a much better name and a commercial. And then Siskoid did Give Me That Star Trek, which uh, I think has been more prolific at this point because Siskoid has actually been able to get episodes out on a more consistent basis. He didn't have a Last Jedi to completely destroy his momentum in, in producing episodes. And I'd always joked about doing a show, you know, like Give Me Them There, Buck Rogers or some shit. And the truth is it kind of stuck. It's like, you know, I kind of like Buck Rogers because it's so not like Star Wars or Star Trek. It doesn't have any heavy continuity. It doesn't have a ravenous fan base. It's just sort of kind of loose and funky. But also, the politics of the show are very different from both Star Wars and Star Trek. I was having a conversation the, the Mandalorian trailer dropped not too long ago. And I was having a conversation about Star Wars with Paquita. And I was pointing out one thing we've always noticed with Star Wars, the two of us, I don't know about you guys, there's always been this Christian embrace of Star Wars in my experience, at least going back into the 90s when I had my comic shop. It always seemed like the really hardcore Christians that were very particular about what media they were allowed themselves to consume could get into Star Wars, which because it's, it's very simple. It's a parable. It's a fairy tale. It's good guys versus bad guys. That's why it makes no sense to me that you've got these fucking fascist assholes who embrace stormtroopers and the Empire and try to legitimize them as a alternative. No, they're the fucking bad guys. They dress in black. They destroy planets. There's no ambiguity in Star Wars to this day. There's never been any ambiguity. It's very simple, very straightforward. Good guys, bad guys. Good guys are the freedom fighters. Bad guys are the oppressive empire, right? It's real fucking simple. Star Trek is where you have your ambiguity, and yet you also still have this clear through line of secular humanism, where there's a desire for understanding and peace and working together and only resorting to violence as a last option. Star Trek is more complex because it actually mirrors real-world politics. It was created during the Cold War. And what's funny about Buck Rogers, as much as I enjoy it, as a contrast to those shows, it's very regressive. Like, it's Buck Rogers' politics are not my politics. I think that this is a fairly macho, somewhat right-skewing, definitely like, here comes the white male savior kind of dealy. But it's it's kind of like Dad. It's like Dad's coming to town, he's going to come save the day. But I actually find it kind of refreshing because so much sci-fi gets so heavy into political allegory, racial allegory. And this is just sort of like a loose kind of like, here's a guy and it's like nobody knows how to do that shit anymore. Nobody knows how to use their power tools anymore. Dad knows how football live, uh, formations work and, and how to change out sockets. And this is like that kind of sci-fi. Buck Rogers is the guy who works on his own car and saves a day because of it. Well, it reminded me of Demolition Man when I was watching yeah, it. Yeah, this, you know, not similar, yeah. Yeah, where it's like he sort of shows up and he's crude and rude and, and he doesn't know the way things are supposed to be, but because society's lost so much of their get shit doneness, he is a hero. Yeah, yeah. So where's Wesley Snipes at? The guy show isn't quite that progressive. Got it. But actually, I think I think it plays into, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I grew up during a lot of rah-rah America bullshit. And I think it kind of plays into that. It plays into... No, it plays into those stereotypes, but because it's fun and because Buck just doesn't give a shit about doing things the proper way, it's kind of refreshing considering how PC most science fiction is. I, I enjoy that about it. I enjoy that it's not so, PC and it is all about everybody's being very horny in outer space doing dad-style judo. Right, and you, but you did notice that he went on the other side of the wall and kicked all the brown people's butts. The white white guy charged in and I, kicked I, and all the I, butts. I don't dispute that. I, 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 I'm recognizing that right. this is definitely analog sci-fi <laughs> and it's definitely not my politics, but I do find it refreshing because it's not so lore-heavy. It's not. It, it's at least as not nerdy as a science fantasy Star Wars ripoff can get. Okay, I look forward Thank to see you, where Thank you, Comrade this goes. Frank. Okay, I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs>